Drive a seat. Okay, I see a lot of people still hanging around the tables. I'm not quite sure, but come on back. Okay? All right. Now, how many, how many of you remember that a couple of weeks ago and since then we've been talking about this idea of college and masters, that Jesus puts us in Luke 1 through 8 through a college degree, and in 9 it goes into master's degree. And one of the things that we noted was is that we're not actually, in the, at the college level, we're not actually modeling healing. It is a little bright. Thank you for saying that, Jesse. Could you guys catch this just a little bit? Hey, Robert, you're back there too, aren't you? Or where are you? Oh, no, that's right. Would you guys just go down a little bit with this? Okay, thanks. Just not a, not a ton. Thanks. Oh, that works. Thank you. All right, uh, so what was I saying? Uh, college and masters. Here's what I'm asking for. Uh, I want to have a discussion with our community about how it is that we would work healing and modeling healing into what we do so that we were doing a better job of our college level modeling experience. See that? Because what we're asking you to do is go into your workplace and be people that are moving in healing and what we're trying to figure out is, is how can we model that so that you have a better sense of what to do. Does that make sense? So I want to have a discussion about this and so I'm asking you after the service today, we're going to be meeting, there's going to be food, we're going to have fun and a discussion. I realize I kind of planned it on the wrong day. Uh, I don't know what's exactly going on, but we went back to super hot, okay? Um, it, but I, where am I? I realized, oh, I realized that, a lot of, that the raptures happened, that the people that are left here are the ones that didn't get raptured, okay? So, all right, but you know, the rapture, it turns out the rapture is only for a moment because they'll all be back next week, okay? So I know it's not the best time for the big discussion, but do it anyway, okay? If you're here today and you want to do this, it's not going to take terribly long, but I just want to get some ideas circulating, and I want us to start thinking and processing how would we do this healing thing here in a, in a real way. I, all of, many of us have been in churches where things like this have been done, and there's a reason why that doesn't last a long time. And I want to really be wise to what should we be doing, what shouldn't we be doing, and do that kind of thing. Do you get my drift? Okay? So come, eat lunch, talk, let's do that. All right. Uh, I think that's it. The only thing we have right now is first fruits. And I want to ask Chris and Roger Maddox to do this today. Thank you, Roger, for running up here. And Chris, you come on up too. And uh, I asked them to give the testimony today. And I want to tell you something. We started this, how long ago did we start this? Like in February or March or something like that? Can I tell you, if... if it seems to be making a real difference. So apparently not just hearing it from me all the time makes a difference, and I would hope that that's actually true. It makes more of a difference hearing, hearing it from just people that, that have to work at it and struggle with it but have found the blessing of it. So thank you, guys. Yeah, it's good to know that you don't have to work at it or struggle with it. Uh, <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Kurt asked us earlier this week if we would do this little bit, and... Um, Chris doesn't want to say anything, so I'll stand here. She can just be my Vanna White and be pretty. Um, yeah. So um, God is good. Uh, this whole concept of tithing is interesting, and I've actually had conversations with some other people about it that really have helped me understand. Uh, so I just wanted to share some of those things. Um, you know, God said, bring in the full tithe, and test me in this and it's such an interesting thought to test God in this and I've, I've thought about that actually quite a bit and one of the things for me is is it's not about him blessing me it's not about this test of if you give this much then XYZ will happen it's really what is my heart yeah. right what is my heart about giving what uh, do I trust God because I don't know about you Money is a hard thing, right? We don't have enough money. Most of you don't have, we think we don't have enough money. But God said he will provide. He will provide for our needs. And that's, to me, that's the heart issue is, do I believe that? Do I believe God will provide for me? Is he my provider or am I my provider, yeah. right? I mean, at the bottom level, do I trust God, right? Yeah. So um, for me, just a little tip. What makes it easier for me is to give as soon as I get paid. First fruit. I mean, that's what it's called, right? So give of your first. Give the first 10% out of what you get. And 
I am so thankful for online giving because that makes yeah. it easier for me. Uh, and it's, um, you know, so I got paid on Friday. I went online before I went to work. I did my tithe. Boom, first thing that came out of my check, well, other than taxes, of course, uh, you know, was the tithe, right? And I didn't have to think about it. I tell you what, if I had waited until Tuesday yeah. or Wednesday to do that, I would have, I would be thinking about my bills. I would, maybe I've already paid some bills, and it, it just doesn't take long before you're going, wow, I don't have the money to tithe. Yeah. And that's not a good place to be, and we, we've been there before. I've been there for sure where it's like, I can't afford to tithe because I paid other things first. I put other things first. And to me, that just goes right back to, is God first? Yeah. So just my little tip for you guys, do it first. Do the first fruit out of your income. You don't even think about it. It's gone. Then you've got the rest left. You pay your bills. Somehow, miraculously, God provides. Even when we look at it and go, you know, there's... $2,000 worth of bills and $1,800 of income, and I'm going to tithe out of that. How does that work? He makes it work. Yeah. And it's not always with yeah. income. Um, good example, just yesterday, we, we've been wanting to get a new stove, and I've been looking at it for a year, you know, six, seven, eight hundred bucks. Uh, we just found out one of our neighbors has one. They've remodeled. They've moved to gas, and ours is electric, so they've got this electric stove. They're selling it for 200 bucks. It's two years old. You know, it's just stuff like that where you go, okay, God, that's you providing Amen. for us in a way that I would have Amen. never even thought of. Amen. So, again, just first fruit, do it first. It's really a hard issue. Am I, am I trusting God? Amen. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's interesting to not have Chris say anything because, first of all, it's interesting to not have Chris say anything. <laughs> Come on. It was an easy shot. Uh, but what I mean by it more specifically is, is that she's actually one of those that puts to use what we give. And there are so many people in this body that know exactly what that means because she's done it for you. So, uh, you know, I mean, we make a big difference in a lot of people's lives through here, and she's one of the primary reasons why. She's our oldest serving staff member. In fact, I, were you the first person that I heard? Oh, longest serving. <laughs> Maybe the oldest too, I don't know. <laughs> Just kidding. But at longest serving. And, and the fact is, is, it's because that's the kind of church we want to be. So, Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, your family, your, your family, not just your church, your family, comes before you right now and says, we trust you, Dad. We know you, Dad. We know. We thank you for what you have provided and out of that, we acknowledge it and we pour into your kingdom that your kingdom might manifest you ever greater, ever more fully. In Jesus' holy and precious name, God, receive this from our hands back unto you who provided it. Saying, thank you, God, trusting that as we keep you first, that everything else is added. In Jesus' holy and precious name. This is not staying, so I'm going to take it off today just because it, it isn't staying. Uh, I think there's one more. What do I got? A quick live on Take Me to Your Leaders. Okay, Take Me to Your Leaders, which is if, you're, if, you, if you feel like this might actually be coming your home, please come next Sunday after the service. We meet right back there in the, in the room that's right back there, and we just kind of get to know you a little bit, and you get to know us a little bit, and, and so on, and get you started on your journey here, okay? All right? Good? All right. Wow, I'm seeing a lot of faces, and I'm... I feel like this is one of those Sundays where what I really want to do is just talk to people. I mean, I saw the curtains over there. I was like, I just want to come over to your house and eat lunch. And I just said, Dan, I, I want to go over there. And I want to, you know what I mean? So I hope I, can, I hope I can stay focused on the sermon today. I feel a little ADHD all of a sudden, all right? So help me. All right. So we're headed into the sermon. Thank you guys for the clock. Oh, yeah. Come forward and take the offering. That would be good too, guys. All right. Thank you. <laughs> It's 4th of July. What do you want? Come on. I wore this shirt so that if the lights went out, everybody could still see in the room. Okay? I just want to make it clear. All right? <laughs> All right. <coughs> Thank you guys for the clock. 4th of July. Hope you're having a great weekend. Here's where we are in our series, Empowered. And this series is about the fact that we're watching how Jesus discipled the disciples. 
because we're disciples and he's going to disciple us similarly. And what we're finding is we're now to that cataclysmic, or to that catalytic moment where we're taking the last moment of this college experience. This is the final experience, okay? And that's a big deal, right? It's going to ramp up to a big deal, and sure enough, today is a big deal. But just in order to get us started right, I want to ask a question, okay? How many of you would say, I have been pursuing the Lord? Now, watch what I didn't say. I didn't say how many of you have been saved, I, you know, accepted the Lord. I'm saying, how many of you would say, I've been pursuing the Lord for five years or less? How many would raise your hand? I've actually been going after him, raise your hands, five years or less. Okay? All right, got it. All right. Now, how many of you would say 10 years or less? For 10 years or less, I've been pursuing the Lord. Raise your hands. If you raise them on five, don't. Again. Okay, 10 years? Okay, great. All right, now how many of you would say for 20 years, I have genuinely been passionately pursuing the Lord? How many? 20 or less? Something in that ballpark, okay? All right, wow. Now, 30 or less? One more? Wow. Wow, that's really interesting. 40 or less? Well, that's the one I'm in. All right, now how many of you would say over 40 years I've been pursuing the Lord? I just want to clap and thank you guys. Okay? That's incredible. I mean, that's just remarkable. Now, today I'm going to tell you about a story. I'm going to show you something in a story that you've heard and read tons of times, even if you're fairly new to all this. And that's the woman with the issuance of blood. And we're going to see something in that story that frankly is going to, I mean, I've never seen it before. And I, I'm, I'm really guessing that there's nobody else here who's seen it either. And it's not hidden. It's as plain as could be. But I'm telling you, it'll rock your world. It'll build your faith in a way. It built my, I mean, just instantly my faith just went to a, in an entirely different way than it normally does. It just went, oh my gosh. That just takes me to an entirely different place in terms of the Lord moving through me and doing work. Okay? So if you want that today, you got to pay attention because we're going to get there. And the Lord, I think, really think what the Lord wants to do, and this is according to the word you're going to see in a second, I think the Lord wants to walk us on a journey today because he wants us to experience what the disciples experienced when they encountered this. All right? So that's where we're going. Who's our prayer today? Okay. Oh, Chantel Hatch. This is awesome. Chantel, long, long-term staff member, Mike and Chantel, and, and ran Jubilee for a time, and the whole nine yards. Awesome. So pray for the sermon. Lift up another church, too. Thank you. God, we just come to you with open hearts. We're so grateful that Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with a real God. Amen. And um, we're just so grateful that we have a pastor that goes after that relationship with you and, and inspires us to do the same. And so, God, we just come with those hearts today, asking that you would meet us and we would experience you for real today and that we would continue to pursue you every day and be inspired to pursue you every day and find you in greater and greater ways. And, God, I'm just so grateful that you have provided um, salvation so we don't have to work that out and we can just be free to be in relationship with you and with each other. Thank you. Lord. And so, God, I lift up Over Lake Christian Church today, Amen. God, and ask that you would meet them also today and that Amen. they would know you for real. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Great, great prayer. Love Over Lake. Thank you. That's awesome. Okay, now, just as according to the word that I said, that really was a word from the Lord, I want us to consider something, okay? If this college metaphor is real, if what Jesus did in the first chapters 1 through 8, if what he did was give them a modeled experience where he was teaching them by talk, but also by doing, and he was showing them how it works, and he was showing them and showing them to where he gets to chapter 9 and he sends them out, then you would expect that what would happen is, is that back there in those soft freshman years and so on, you know what I mean? That, right? When you were a freshman in college, if you went to college, but when you were a freshman even in high school or whatever, you know, when you first learn that information, it's pretty tough, isn't it? 
you know, there's a lot of new stuff coming at you, and you got to learn, and you got to grow, and everything else. But by the time you get deeper and deeper into your, into your primary subject matter, you get better and better. And this stuff that you learned that was so tough yesterday is not actually tough at all, is it? It gets to be where that's second nature to you. You know that stuff like you don't even have to think about it. Now you're working on deeper levels of understanding about the major that you're in, right? Okay? Now... So if that's true, if this metaphor is true, then what we should find is that at the end of this college experience, Jesus should bring the disciples into something which was a wow bill, which was a, oh my gosh, that's beyond everything that we've ever learned, and it makes everything else that we've ever learned seem simple in comparison. So here's where we are today. Jesus is going to raise somebody from the dead. Now, I don't know about you, but it, I, I kind of feel like if Jesus showed me how to raise somebody from the dead, which, by the way, has happened at this church, but we'll leave that aside for now. But if Jesus showed me that, things like healing and deliverance and prophecy, those start feeling like freshman, sophomore, junior stuff, don't they? Because what's bigger than raising somebody from the dead? Anything? I mean, right, really, right? I mean, if you can raise somebody from the dead, healing ought not be that difficult, Right? So what we're getting to is, is that he really is bringing them to this culminating experience, the biggest thing that he could possibly bring them to. And here's where the word really comes in that was given during worship, and it goes like this. Here's the thing I really think that the Lord wants us to understand, and that is that he says we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the things, works, that he planned for us long ago. And I don't mean works as in works mentality and legalism. What I mean is, is that he's prepared certain things for you to do since before there even was a world. Now watch. Let's say that you're the kind of college students that we have so many of today that don't go to class. That are cheating off of their, you know, the, somebody else. And they're just, they're not actually learning. They're not actually on a journey of learning. Here's the thing that you have to understand. A moment's coming when you're going to want that knowledge. Because hasn't everybody in here had somebody that they love with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and they got sick or had something happen to them? And at that moment in time, what would you have given to know how to help them? Is there anything that you would have withheld? Anything? And what I want to tell you is, is that what Jesus is trying to do is, is that when we get to those moments, he wants us to be prepared for them. He wants us to understand what is happening. He wants us to be able to step up to the moment because he's the one that took you on the journey to prepare you. So if you are like so many and you're not really engaged in the journey that God has you on, then you're still going to be back here futzing with something that you should have had down when you really do need it. See how important this is? I mean, that's what I'm telling you when I said that that word was right from the Lord. This is the number one thing that the Lord had on my heart. There's a whole message that's coming. But the number one thing that the Lord had on my heart was is that there are things that he is bringing that are coming and that we are woefully unprepared for because we have enjoyed ourselves and we have not taken this thing seriously. We, we drank in college instead of studied. And I'm not saying, you know, whatever. Don't, don't, don't go to the other side of the metaphor. Take it on this side where I am. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying you can't ever have any fun in your life. I'm saying that there is this thing that God is trying to do, and if we don't participate in it, then we're not going to be ready for it. And God in his mercy will, in fact, you know, if you're not as quick a learner as somebody, he tailor makes the plan. But in the end, he is asking us to be on the journey. And if we're not, I'm just telling you, I don't want you to be the ones who are going, oh, my God. right? Got it? That's why this is super serious today. I want you to experience what the disciples experienced as their culminating college experience. Okay? So with that in mind, let's dig into it. He gets to the other side of the lake. Remember, he's been over there and he's done the legion. He's delivered the guy from the legion of demons and the pigs around the lake. So he goes across the other side of the lake and the crowds welcome Jesus because they've been waiting for him. Then a man came, Jairus, a, leader, a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. 
And as Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by crowds. So he's going to do this, raise this 12-year-old girl from death. Okay? Now, on the way there, what happens is a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. Peter said, Master, the whole crowd's pressing up against you. Like, what do you mean, who touched you? Everybody's touching you, right? But Jesus said, no, somebody deliberately touched me for I felt healing power go out from me. And I'm going to stop right here and I'm going to ask you a question. Is this how you think about healing? Now let me explain so that you can actually answer the question the right way. Because here's what happened. Jesus is walking along and somebody touched the fringe of his garment and I'm going to make this argument later, but without him even knowing it, until the power had gone out of him, she was healed. Is that how you think about healing? Do you think that you could be walking down the street and somebody who'd heard of you and heard that you'd prayed for somebody who'd gotten healed, that they could believe that just touching your coat would cause them to be healed, and as you were walking along, they touched your coat, and without you even knowing who they were, or that this was happening without anything at all, all of a sudden they touched your coat and they were healed. Does that sound like healing to you? Is that your understanding of it? Because I can tell you right now, I've, been a, I've preached on healing, geez, just a year and a half already on this one series. And that's years and years and years that I've been interested in this topic in a deep way and trying to figure, and I have never seen this before. Because I got to tell you, if somebody were to come up to you and say, well, the way that Jesus heals is, is that, see, it's like Jesus is this aura and he's going, there's this energy to, and then what happens is, is you can go up and if you can just get your, if you can just get your jumper cables hooked into him just right, and then you, boom, you know, clear, boom, you're healed. If somebody told me that that's what healing was like, I would say, you don't understand it at all. Right? Here's what healing is. I've got to be, come up for just one second. Yeah, come on up. Sorry. I'm not going to, it'll be short. But, but here's what healing is. See, there's got to be some connection, right? I mean, I don't, I don't have, we've learned already that I don't have to actually lay hands on, right? But there has to be some you ask me for healing, or I ask you if you want to be healed, and you say yes, and then there's got to be some sort of something that happens between us that's conscious and that we understand. You know, the laying on of hands is a really nice thing because it sort of speaks this idea that Jesus, God, is flowing through us to heal that person, right? But that's healing, right? There's got to be some intentionality about it, doesn't there? It's not just I'm sitting here, and now he touches my shirt. You want to touch my shirt? And boom, he's healed. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. All right. You, you see that? So well, anytime you find something like this in Scripture, man, you've got to stop, right? And you've got to go back and you've got to say, do I find anything like this anywhere else in Scripture? And I can go to a couple of different places that come to mind. You might come up with some others. But let me just show you that these are kind of like this, but they're really not. Okay. Now watch. Okay, this is Acts 5, so this is the beginning of Acts, and the apostles, there's lots of healings going on, right? As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were being brought to, into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Now, interestingly, look at it carefully. It's never said that anybody's actually healed that way. I want to say that they probably were. I, I'm just going to assume and speculate that they probably were some people getting healed that way by their faith. And, but even then, you know, Peter knows that that's happening. There's some sense of it, right? Here's another one. Paul, okay? Uh, God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. We get it. This is unusual, right? Not the normal way. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin. Well, see, when I hear that, I go, okay, but at least there's a point of contact with the person. Now, I still don't think, you know, is the power of God in the skin cells? Eh. Okay, maybe, but I don't know. Maybe touch his skin or placed on sick people and they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. Okay, 
And I want to say that's worthy of its own look, and we will actually look at it in the weeks and months to come. But the bottom line is I want to say that one's kind of like this one, but there's still something where Paul is aware of this, right? I mean, you can say that these people had faith like this woman did. If I can just touch the hem of his garments, man, I'll get healed. Let me just stop right here and say something. Whenever you're praying for somebody, I think one of the most, I think one of the best things that you can possibly do is, is do this, all right? Uh, I got lots of people coming up today, okay? Here's what I do. And I don't usually call people out of the audience. I've already identified some other people I'm going to use in a longer skit. But I, I just want you to understand I don't normally do this because I don't want people to be afraid to sit up front because there is like this, there is like this zone in the front of all churches, right? You know what I mean? It's like, oh my God, everything else is filled. I have to sit up front, okay? <laughs> okay. But, but here's what I want to do. See, when, when I am, I'm sorry, I got totally distracted. Where was I? What's that? Oh, that's right. Now, now, here's what I do. When she asks me if she wants prayer for healing or I ask her if she wants healing, here's what I do. I always go to them and I say, is there something that you have on your heart that you really believe if this happened, you'd get healed? See what I mean? Because what I want to do is I want to join my faith to hers. In other words, if she's already got faith, I want to call it out as we're seeing happen over and over. And we'll see it in this story over and over. Okay? So I want to call it out. I want to say, if you've got faith, I'd even done this before. Somebody's called me up and said, I want the elders to come pray for me. I said, that's great. Would you do me a favor? Pray for a couple of days. And tell me by revelation what the Lord has told you. That if this happens, I'll get healed. You remember in the Old Testament, you got the king coming, and he's got leprosy, and he says, go, go take a bath in this little dry, this little creek. And he's going, I got mighty rivers at home. I'll go take my bath there. And then the servant comes to him and says, you know what, wouldn't you do that? And wouldn't you, you know, just do it. And the guy does it and he's healed. See what I mean? So what, what I'm going after is this, what's in your heart? I always ask the person, what's in your heart? Now sometimes they're going to say something that you can't join your faith to. Right? They may have some, well, I, I go to this witch doctor and I believe that that witch doctor can heal me. And that's when you probably go, well, I can't join my faith to yours on that. Okay. But most of the time what people are going to say is something from the Word, something from what God has said to them that they believe. And when you call it out of them, look what you're doing. You're already causing them to think more in terms of faith on it, aren't you? See that? So just, that's just a little tidbit. Thank you very much. Okay. Love you. Okay. All right. Now, I want us to get this because I want us to go see there's, there's something going on here. And I want us to take us deeper now. So now, now the people that I asked for the skit, come on up. Okay? All right? Now, what we're going to do is we're going to enact this moment here because I want you to understand something, okay? There's a way that many commentaries handle this moment, and then there's another way of handling it, and many co other commentators do it this way. Come on up, guys. Okay? All right. So, first of all, we have Jesus, and I just had to have Robert be Jesus because he's going down to L.A. and he's going to need to be Jesus down in L.A., okay? Because L.A. needs Jesus really, really, really badly, okay? All right, yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is, this is Jesus, okay? Now, Peter, disciple, okay? This is one of the guys in our church that I believe has a calling on his life, and I'm trying to walk alongside of him and do this. So this is one of the guys. So this is Peter, okay? Now, love you, but you're the one with the issue of the blood, okay? All right. All right. And the point is, is that what's happening is, is, is you guys, we're all the crowd, all right? So we have a role in this too, okay? So we're crowded around, and Jesus is walking along, and Peter is following, let's just say, okay? And then she comes up and touches the hem of his garment, okay? And then, now Jesus, now, now there's two ways we're going to read this. We're going to go through it two times. The first way we're going to read it is, this is the way many commentaries say it because they just can't handle what it actually says. just really want you to be careful about this. If you read this without any understanding, like if you've never read the scriptures before, you didn't know who Jesus was or anything else, and you read that story, tell me, did the person who ha got touched, Jesus' hem of his garment, was he surprised by this or not? If you've never read it before, surprised, right? Obviously surprised, right? Like what happened? What? What? Right? Now, here's what many commentaries will say. No, no, no. Why? why? And why do they say that? 
because this is Jesus. Come on, he knows everything. And this couldn't possibly be, and that's just too weird. That's too weird a way of healing. There's something weird going on there, okay? So here's what the Oh, well, he knew that she was going to touch him. He even knew who she was. He was just saying what he said in order to call attention to her. You see it? You see the difference? One is genuine surprise, and the other one is rhetorical. He's just trying to bring it out. So I want you to say it rhetorically. So your acting skills are being put to the test now. Okay? Not, no, that would still be too much. Like, yeah, you've got to be rhetorical. So try it again. It's like you're, you're trying to let him know that something's going on. Okay, that's good, right? That's good enough, okay? Now, so what happens is he stops, right? Who touched me? Peter, you're your line right here. All right? And then, and then again, you know what's going on, and you're trying to make him understand it in particular. So, go ahead. Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out for me. Can I stand over here so people can see your face? Okay? That was pretty good right? See what I mean? He's trying to bring attention to something. Somebody touched me. They got healed. I want you to know that something's happened because I want you to see something about this, okay? So what happens is, now here's what I want you to see about it. Now would you guys just go over there for one second? Because I got to take you into a part of the story where I want you to see something incredibly tender and loving. This is, this is so gracious and loving. Watch this. Who touched me? Now watch the woman. When the woman realized she could not stay hidden. What does that mean? Paraphrase. She didn't want anybody to know that she touched him. Why? Because she's unclean. There's an issue and some blood happening in her. She's not supposed to even be in the crowd. Unclean people are supposed to walk through the streets going unclean, unclean, so that nobody accidentally touches them. And this may sound harsh and cruel to us, but do understand, before sanitary products and so on, you know, blood diseases get transmitted by blood. I mean, diseases get transmitted by blood all the time. Really nasty ones, right? we got Ebola going on in Africa in a way that's quite frightening. And this is primarily that kind of fluid exchange when somebody touches that in some way. And what's happening is these people are breaking out in sores and then they're burying them. And because they're touching that fluid that's coming out from the body, they're getting the Ebola. And, it's, and these people are running away because in, in that, you know, if you've got Ebola, they don't stay quarantined. They run away. And so they run out and somebody else touches them and so on. So this is, a, this is an important thing. And again, we have sanitariness and we have an understanding of these kinds of things so we can help mitigate that now where people understand this. But the bottom line is, is she's afraid. Now, she trembles, falls to her knees, and then they hear her explain why she touched him. Understand something here, and it's brought out more in the Mark passage, so let me read it to you. But understand that when, when she touches him, it's not just that she's lost all of her money trying to heal this thing. It's that she's lost all of her society, all of her community. She can't sit in their house. She can't be at the same table with them. She can't be with them. So see, it explains it. And again, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she'd suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she spent everything she had to pay them, and she'd gotten no better. In fact, she'd gotten worse. And she heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. And she, she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Now, come back over, guys. And again, we're not really back in our skit yet, but I want you to, you're here. Okay, then you're here. Okay, and now what's happened is, is I want you to just see the tenderness of this. Because here's what Jesus should have said by the law. You made me unclean. Here's this woman who won't even talk about what's going on because she's so, she's lost everything. She isn't supposed to even be in the crowd because people are being able to touch her. See that? So she's afraid. And what she's going to get from religious leaders and from other people is, why did you infect me? Look what you did. But what does Jesus do instead? just love the beginning of this. Daughter. <laughs> daughter. What's daughter? What's daughter? You're mine. <laughs> You're not ostracized. You're not out there. You're not pushed away. You're mine. Daughter. I'm looking at you. I should be looking at you, Joy, shouldn't I? Yeah. <laughs> a little weird. Yeah. 
You see it? Daughter. Inclusive. Drawing in. And then what he says is, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, it's just so tender. It's just so loving. And I, and I just want to, this is a little sidebar preach moment right here. The worst things bring them to him. The things you're the most embarrassed about, the things that most separate you, the things that are the worst. The things that are gross even to you. Bring them to him. Heals. And I'm not just talking about physical malady. I'm talking about how we are and our spirits and our choices and everything else. Bring this stuff to him because he will say son and daughter to you. He will draw you in if you will simply come to him. Okay? So preaching moment open back to what we were doing. Or over back to what we were doing. Okay? So here we are. By the way, I just want to say uh, I think Pope Francis illustrated this heart of God so beautifully when this guy, th this guy, I could not have touched him. I just couldn't have done it. And not only did he touch him, but he took time with him. He touched him and held him and hugged him and kissed him. And I just want to say, I, you can say all kinds of things and everything else, but this guy manifested the heart of Christ when he did that. And this guy, you can see how the guy is just tucked into him in just a way of saying, nobody does this with me, right? So, amen. Now, if the commentaries that say that Jesus knew what was going on are right, the point of the story is faith. We're going to see it more and more as the story finishes up. But faith is the point of the story, right? In other words, I called it to your attention Peter, because I'm trying to show you that this woman had faith, and just touching the hem of my garments was enough, and because of her faith, because of what you desired, you can have it, go in peace, right? Don't be afraid anymore, you're healed, the whole nine yards, see what I mean? So Peter, you understand how important now the faith of the person coming is, and you've learned your lesson, and your lesson is faith, and that's not a bad lesson to be learning in your senior year as you're about to graduate, right? So it's faith. Clearly the story, the main point of the whole story is faith over and over, and we'll see it in just one second. But now let me take you to the catalyst for faith. Because we're now going to read this a different way, okay? Now I'm just going to put you guys to where you're kind of like this so that people can still see your faces as you're doing it. Now, what happens is you come up and you touch him, and you feel power going out of you, and now you've got to read it the other way. And the other way is just total surprise. Who touched me? Perfect. Okay, go ahead. Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. Right. Just total confusion. Try it one more time. Real confused. I know you're so smart that you're never confused at anything. So feign confusion for me, okay? So, someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. See, I have no idea what's going on here. In fact, you know what? You've got to reread your line, and here's why you've got to reread your line. Do you realize that healing power is something that NLT added to it? it did, healing is not in the Greek. It's just power went out for me. It's like he doesn't even know what kind of thing has happened. He doesn't only know not who it was. He doesn't even know what it, all he felt was something happened. See, power went out from me. He knows that much, but that's it. So now you've got to read the line without healing. All right. Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt power go out from me. Okay? All right? All right, now, you are off the hook from here on. Okay? I love you. <laughs> okay? All right. Now, watch this. Okay, you guys got to go over here because we got to do a little walking. Here's the part of the story where we fail to see what's in the story. When we read the story, that happens. And then he says, you know, and, and he said, healing went out for me. And he says, go and, you know, go in peace. You're healed. Go in peace, right? And then the next thing that happens is people from Jairus' house come and say, daughter's dead. Don't worry about coming. So we go right from one story into the other story. But I want you to be in the disciples' shoes literally right now because what's happening is you have to understand, Jairus' house is not right there. It's not like, not like right there in that wall. It's not real close. Think about it. If that had happened, the whole story would have unfolded differently, wouldn't it? Because they would have said, hey, Jesus, he's about to die. Hurry up. Or something, right? 
But the point is, something happened from between the time that Jairus was able to come and say, come help my daughter, and the time that they got there to where it was clear that she was dead. We're not talking five or ten minutes. See? If it's five or ten minutes, maybe they just stopped breathing, and it wasn't really a miracle of raising from the dead. It was just that they were, you know, their pulse went really bad or something, and now they're okay again. She was gone long enough that the mourners had gathered and they were in full grief mode over a dead person. Can I tell you right now, that does not happen in 10 or 15 minutes. That doesn't, I, I don't know how far away the house was, but it might have been an hour or more. So watch. Now watch. If you read this story the way I believe it, it was actually happened, which is he was surprised. Jesus was surprised. Now watch what happens. They're walking to the house, and Peter is walking, and the first thing he goes is Peter saying to himself, that was pretty cool. Woman, 12 years, wow, touching story. Wow, I'm learning a lot. She had faith. I'm learning about faith. But at some point in time on this journey, all of a sudden he goes, he was surprised. What the heck is going on? Step forward just a little bit this way. He was surprised. That doesn't make any sense to me. How could he have been surprised? Well, how, would he, how would she have gotten healed if he didn't even know to heal her? If it just happened? Now I'm asking you this question. You're in Peter's shoes now. I want you to experience this moment. You're the one who's following Jesus, thinking about what has happened. And what I want you to do as you're walking along is, I want you to be thinking, wow, he was surprised. What does that mean? Tell me what that means. Just yell it out. We don't have mics today. But just yell it out. Who's got something? What, what does it mean? How did that happen? How's Peter trying to make sense of this? Nobody? It's hard, isn't it? I went to, I went to lunch with Kevin Prowlis on Monday or so, and I went, tell me what the heck this is all about. Because I had no idea. I, I'd just seen it. For first time ever. And I went, this is weird. I don't understand it. So process it. Just give me, yell out. What, what's going on that Jesus could be surprised and that would happen? That would be a revelation to Peter. What happened there? What? He was never asked. But that doesn't really explain it, does it? But it's good. It's true. It's absolutely true. Somebody said something else over here. Jesus didn't have all knowledge. That's exactly right. That's one of the things you have to process, isn't it? Wow, he was surprised. Wow. This Jesus has been like really good about knowing stuff. Wow. All right. Go ahead, Art. What? Yes. Yes. Yes, but here's what Peter's doing. You know, Peter, Peter's the guy that tries to figure stuff out all the time, right? That's who Peter is, right? He's like the guy, you know, some people just go along with, oh, okay, you'll, you know what I mean? But some people are actually trying to go, what the heck? I need to explain that. Jenny, go ahead, why? Jesus was fully man. That is exactly on the right track. But there's more to it. Peter's walking along. Wow, he didn't understand everything. But how did the woman get healed then? How did she get healed? By faith, yes, but? Really good, and, and just give, give it to me in a slightly different fashion. Say it louder. <laughs> I know, I, she hates it when I do this kind of questioning with people, because it always makes it's like, no, yes, no. Okay, but what did you say? Yes, now... Now, what's a synonym for God's power? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Here's what Peter's doing. Jesus, you're still walking. I'm, I'm sitting here, and I'm being Peter's mind, right? Because we all got these conversations going on in our head, or at least the verbal ones of us do. It's not demons. Okay. Now, so he's walking along, and we're having a conversation. You know, and first it's like cool about the faith, cool that he loved her. Wow, I need to get to where I love those people more, blah, 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 everything else. But all of a sudden he realizes he was surprised. 
How could he have been surprised? Didn't know, doesn't know everything. Still, how did he get healed then? Holy Spirit. I've already got it, Paul, so Holy Spirit. Do you see it? Well, all of a sudden he goes, Holy Spirit. Not Jesus. Holy Spirit. Not Jesus. Holy Spirit. Same Spirit that's going to be on him. Same Spirit that's on you and me. Not Jesus. I'm not saying Jesus doesn't heal, don't misunderstand, and don't get bad theology out of this. But what I'm saying is, is he's got to suddenly realize something. Thank you guys very much, but you've got to stay up here one more second, so you've got to stand over here. Thank you, Jesus. Okay? Now watch. Okay, watch. Philippians. Jesus had equal status with God. That means he was God, right? But he didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to what it was to be God. Instead, what he did was not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity. What is that? One of them is omniscience. He didn't know all, right? And even more so, having become human, he stayed human. It was incredibly humbling. See what he did? He laid down the power that he would have. He laid down the knowledge that he would have. That he might walk just like you and me. Do you see it? He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life to God and the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit led him and did, died a selfless, obedient death, the worst kind of death, a crucifixion. But now watch. Remember something. See, when I think of Jesus doing the miracles that he did in the Gospels, here's what I cannot forget, and I need to. I cannot forget that he's God. And so when I see Jesus calling out legion, I say, well, Jesus knows that there was legion in there because he's Jesus. He's God. See what I mean? But I've got to remind myself he didn't know about legion because he was God. He knew about legion because the Holy Spirit told him about legion. The same spirit that can tell me. I've got to remember that what Jesus did, he did by the Holy Spirit. So much so that Jesus did, even though he was God in truth, but he had emptied himself and became as a man, it wasn't until he was baptized in the Jordan by John that the Holy Spirit came upon him. He was born of the Holy Spirit. He had the Holy Spirit inside. But it wasn't until that moment where the Holy Spirit came upon him that he began ministering, is it? That's when his ministry started. See? One day Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, <coughs> the heavens opened, the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And in fact, in another place, John, John the Baptist says this way, I know that that's the Christ because the Lord told me that Christ is the one on whom the Holy Spirit will descend and stay. See? Because before this time, all throughout the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit's been descending and then going. And then descending and going. So descending so that people could do the very same things that we do and that Jesus did. Miracles of all kinds in the Old Testament. That's because the Holy Spirit descended but then left. And he's saying the Christ is the one on whom the Holy Spirit will descend and stay. And so sure enough it says, then Jesus full of the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan River and he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Do you see it? <coughs> Let me show you why this is so important, Peter. You're no longer Peter, you're Will. And you work at UPS. And it's been three days, well, you probably did have to work some of these days, but most of us didn't. And so it's been three or four days since you've seen a coworker. And tomorrow morning, a lot of us are gonna walk back into work. And let's just say that tomorrow morning, you're gonna walk back into work, and somebody's going to be there, a workmate, somebody that you really like. And they're gonna come up to you, and what they're gonna say is, is I had this pain and I went to the doctor and they took a picture and they found out I have cancer. And I don't know the Lord and I'm scared to death. And I know that you're a Christian and I know that you're supposed to believe in healing and I've seen you pray for other people for healing and I need you to pray for healing for me. Now watch. Here's what we say in that situation. This is our inner monologue again, okay? In a monologue. Oh, crap. 
I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to do anything. Man, I really wish I was listening back when he was trying to teach. I, you know, what happens if I mess this up? This guy's life is in my hands. What happens if I embarrass myself? That's a big one for a lot of us, right? What happens if I embarrass God? I pray and nothing happens. No, he's never going to find God and he's about to die. Now he's going to go to hell because of me. Could you hold this one second? I want to call somebody who I know knows something about this. Right? 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 Only problem is we're God's masterpiece. Every single one of us in here. He created each individual one of you in Christ Jesus so that each individual one of us could do the good thing that he planned for us to do long ago. This isn't for someone else to do. This is for you to do, for us to do. Do you see it? I need to know this stuff all of a sudden. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Will. Love you. Thank you. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. And let me just say it this way. If you're not doing greater works than what Jesus did, you've got to wonder whether or not you're actually on the journey. And I don't say that to be condemning to people. I say that to be inspiring to you. Because God loves you, and things are happening, and things are coming, and he wants you to be prepared for them. And that was the word this morning, and that's the point of the sermon today. He wants you to be ready to go. And when you're being called, he wants you to be filled with faith. That's the whole point of the story. Let me just show you this quickly so that we can get back to the activator of faith that's in this story. But let me just show you. See, faith, faith, faith. While he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from the house of Jairus. He just pointed out it was her faith that made her well. The leader of synagogue told him, and he says, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But when Jesus heard what happened, he said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. And she'll be healed. Now watch. He gets to the home, and he wouldn't let anybody else go in except Peter, James, John, and the little girl's father and mother. Why wouldn't he let anybody else go in? Because here's what the other people were believing. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing, and he said, stop the weeping. She isn't dead. She's only asleep. And the crowd laughed at him. Do you see that? They all knew she died. But Jesus took her by the hand and said in a loud voice, my child, get up. And at the moment, her life returned, and she immediately stood up. And when Jesus told them to give her something to eat, her parents were overwhelmed. But Jesus insisted that they not tell anybody what had happened. Let me just speculate to you why he told them not to, have it, not to tell them what had happened. Understand something. As Jesus moved in power, it created more and more jealousy amongst those who were going to kill him, which is the religious leaders. The more that the stories about him got out, the more that it made them jealous. And Jesus was telling them not to tell anybody else because he was saying, I can't have them killing me before I'm done training you. You see it? I can't have them taking me out of the picture before, I've been, before I'm done raising up the people that I'm trying to raise up. They can carry on the ministry. You see it? So faith is huge, right? So what we have here is, is we have Jesus bringing people into this incredible experience of raising somebody from the dead truly a senior level culminating project, right? A culminating experience. I don't know, you can't, I can't think of anything that would be bigger than that. So truly Jesus did something that was huge in them. But now I want you to do something. I want you to be the person who's heard this story, but take the woman with the issuance of blood out of it. What did you learn from that culminating experience? What did you learn? The person's got to have faith. The woman had faith. The person's got to have faith. The people around her have got to have faith. Jarius, you have faith. Other people that didn't believe, get out of the room. The people around need to have faith. The person who's praying for them needs to believe that God would heal. Faith, 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 faith. And you've learned faith, haven't you? 
Now let me ask you something. How many of you think that you have enough faith to raise somebody from the dead? Thank you for raising your hand halfway. But do you see it? Now let me, let me add the story of the woman with the issuance of blood in there and let me do something else with you. Here's what you now have in your mind. This is the activator of faith. Watch this. The Holy Spirit's inside of me in the way that when that person asked me for the healing, my workmate that has cancer, when they asked me that, the Holy Spirit's inside of me. And you know what could happen? I could even not even know that they had done that. And they could come up and touch just the hem of my clothes if that's what they believed. And there would be power that would go out of me and heal them because that Holy Spirit is in me. And greater things than you, than me, will you do. Does that make you feel a little better about it? See, if that person's healing depends upon my faith, not that I don't need to have faith and not that I need to work on it, not that I don't need to be on the journey to learn it and to grow in it and to have it for real in my heart. I've got to be doing that. But watch what this activator does. It takes it to a whole nother level all of a sudden. Because you see, as long as I'm thinking about me having to have faith, and I'm, talking, I'm thinking about me, and I'm thinking about what I do and what I don't do and where I succeed and where I fail. Do you see it? And I'm coming up short always. But if all of a sudden I start understanding the Holy Spirit is inside of me and he is just dying to get out. He's just dying to heal. The Holy Spirit's inside of me and he could do it. And a lot of us would say this, you know what, it's better, Jesus, do it that way to where they just touch my shirt and they get healed. Because then I don't have to freak out. <laughs> Except that he's got a work prepared for you to do because it's beneficial to you. Because I'm telling you, when you start seeing who God really is in fullness, you fall in love with him at whole new levels. You start being able to do things for other people, the world, they're falling over them at whole new levels. You see it? He wants us to be part of this thing because he's doing something in us more than one thing. He's doing something in us to bring us into ever deeper fascination with God. And through that, to be able to do even more. We'd like to be the ones who stay at the freshman level. Let me just enjoy myself and party and, and, and have some fun and keep things in balance so I don't get too holy, so that I don't get too godly and not be fun with my friends anymore. And God is saying, I have something so much richer and better and more magnificent for you. I want you to understand that truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will you do, because I am going to the Father. We're going to do something right now. I, I, uh, I feel like we're at 80%. If I had to say, how far have we gotten, everybody? I just know, this is a, my sense is it's about 80%. I have something that I think is going to get you to 100. I want you to take a moment. The worship team or just some worship's going to come up and we're going to do a little background music and then we're going to go into a song. But it's going to be real soft. And what I want you to do right now, we've already taken the offering and you've got communion in front of you. And what I want you to do is, is that when you're coming up here, I want you to either, you can stay in your seats if you want, but you know, I, I love a good altar call, right? And I want you to come up with your communion. And I want you to spend some time with the Lord here in front of him. And I want you to say this to him. Lord, I heard of you with my ears what you could do with me through healing today. But you know what? I need to know it in my heart. I need to know it in my heart. So I'm asking you to drive it into my heart. I ask you to, to drive it into my life in a way that I will know. So I'm asking you if you are inclined to come up with your communion and to spend as much time as you need to up here with him saying, drive this home so that when someone asks me in that moment that you have prepared for me, that I will in fact be your servant. I will be your instrument for your will to be done. You understand what I'm saying? And by all means, if you really don't like to come forward, I love you. You can do it in your seats. But I think there's something about the act of moving forward that does something in our hearts, does something in our bodies. 
So would you just prayerfully consider, and when you're done, when you've taken your communion, when you're done, take communion. Communion means to be one with union with him. Understand in the bread where you've fallen short. Understand in the wine that he's already done all this for you. And take that to become the life that he has already made for you, right? Like we do every week. If you're new here, I love you. But you get the idea, just take communion. If you don't know the Lord here, this is a perfect time to receive him. Perfect time. You and that cup right in front of you. Bottom cup is bread, top cup is bloodshed for you. Perfect time. So let's just take some time now. So Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, I'm asking you that you would take a word that was spoken, and I think with some anointing, but that you would make it not just be a word that comes in and then leaves us so that a week from now we can hardly even remember what the sermon was. I'm asking you to to do something right now to hear our cry that we want to be your finely tuned instruments that we want to be this and I'm asking you to take us across the goal line take us home God to where we're fully and richly and completely and utterly your instruments 